Good thing we're always saying shit like, oh, that's crazy. That's wild. Because then you could just cut in anyway. That's right. You, yeah. you got to make a sound library of all the, all the exclamations. You just fly yeah. it in. Whoa, that's crazy. I could, make a, I could make a sound library of Ryan so easy. Just shouts out and then <laughs> anything else. There, uh, there yeah. was... There was, did I send you that link from the uh, Reddit ADHD meme site that said something about like, if I say, whoa, that's crazy three times in a one minute conversation, we need to wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, you that's didn't. Amazing. But that's oh, fucking man. so it's funny, like, dude. Time to wrap it up. Dude. That's <laughs> well, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Time's up. <laughs> Red light. <laughs> nice. Uh, that's funny. Um, well, fucking. So. <laughs> we are, okay, so that's a perfect way to start it, actually. So yeah. we are joined here today with a very special guest. He is from Hollywood, California. Well, actually, I don't know where you're from, but <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Uh, he is our first Hollywood star, though. He can be found among the likes of Marina Abranovich doing soul cooking sessions <laughs> or <laughs> hanging out with the Kardashians, you know. <laughs> Just partying big time in uh, in L.A. Beverly you know? Hills. Actually, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and <laughs> introduce who we have. All right. Well, today's a very special guest, someone I've known for a few years now. Uh, probably, I don't know, five years now, probably. And uh, he got me, actually got me my current job at a scoring stage. So this is uh, Adam Mihalik. Yo, yo. Hey, everyone. Hey. I didn't How's do a very good job introducing you. He's a sound engineer. He's a scoring mixer. Fucking audio, bro. Anything you, <laughs> anything you need audio-wise, he's the fucking man. Talented guy. Yeah. Good, good to be here with you guys. Yeah. Uh, as I was joking, first-time caller, long-time listener, but I've been listening to the podcast since you guys started it up, and um, uh, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. It's, Heck uh, yeah. Thank it's you. Good, Thank it's good work, you, yeah. guys. And it, it's 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 a good feel, too. It uh, uh, feels a bit like, uh, you know, Joe Rogan meets uh, Beavis and Butthead. Someone. <laughs> I, I say that with, with uh, meaning with a very, lot of love and a big compliment. That's, oh, yeah. uh, that's, uh, it's got a good, good we energy. Appreciate that. Thank you, And I uh, appreciate that you guys are working to educate as well. So uh, that's that's important. The old harm reduction vibe going on. Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the Thanks, goal. Thanks, dude. Uh, but anyways, like we were saying about, uh, freaking, yeah, Adam, dude. So, it's a very special interview. This is our first of the interviews for the Patreon that we're going to be doing. And so, we're going to be interviewing all sorts of people. So, we're very lucky to have someone in Hollywood to, uh, <laughs> to interview. <laughs> yeah. Woo, woo. I gotta be woo, careful woo. what I say. I might, uh, end up ruining my future a parody music career. <laughs> Say something too stupid. <laughs> there's, there's a big future in parody. Just look, look at Weird Al. <laughs> yeah, dude, they fucking made a movie out of it, dude. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Spe pretty with, amazing. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe is pretty, playing Weird Al. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty amazing story there. Yeah, um, Harry Potter, dude. I feel like Weird Al showed up at the, at Sony once, actually. Wait, really? I wow. feel like it was for a TV. We were working on a TV show, and he just like popped in or something like that. But I remember seeing Damn. something with Weird Al, where like that guy looks. That guy hasn't aged much for someone that's as old as as, as he is. Yeah, actually. he's got to be some, fucking 
old now. That's right? all that accordion playing. It's, it's good for your, His hair good is for your so health. cool. Accordion to who? Yeah, he's oh. got a lot of it. <laughs> Yo, speaking of accordion player, did you ever hear the story of that accordion player dying on the Sony stage? Like in the middle of a session? Uh, Whoa. There's a very famous story of someone dying in the middle of a session, and and uh, I don't know what they were playing. Uh, this is that story. Oh, it's, it's, it's with that. It's with that uh, contractor that was like, "Do we? Have <laughs> to pay him? Yeah, exactly." <laughs> <laughs> so That's some classic just Hollywood. So shit. You, your guys's background, just or sorry, background knowledge for for you guys and the listeners. There was this contractor at one point. I don't remember his name or what even era is yeah. from. Contractor hires musicians to play a recording session. Yeah, that's a good point. Basic definition. Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, he, so some basically this accordion player just fucking died in the middle of a session. I don't know if he had a heart attack or <laughs> what. I, I've done like extensive research trying to figure out what happened and who he was. And like even, I even emailed the, the local 47 to like see if they had any like fucking records, records of it. And they were like, no, like, I don't know. Like we know what you're talking about, but like we don't know. Yeah, this is, a, this is a story that has transcended now into legend and myth, basically. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> yeah. this was in, like, in this, Hollywood. like, in theory, like, in the 70s or 80s, like, so, you know, fucking, at least 40 years uh. ago. So, uh, anyway, but this guy just died in the middle of a session, and this contractor was just, like, basically just got on the phone, like, pretty much immediately is what the story is, and uh, was just, like, do we still have to pay this guy? <laughs> like, do we have, to, do we have like, to pay this guy's family and shit? And, like, like who like, else can we get down here like, and shit? <laughs> oh like, no sympathy at yeah, all. We gotta yeah. get this recorded today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this guy Jesus. died at work. We need to replace him immediately, and do we actually have to pay him? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, probably, is. that's probably how another one bites the dust got written. Oh, that's that. funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty, pretty, pretty rough thing, man. Yeah. That's funny. But yeah, apparently that... So any like creaks or weird things that like Sony were always just like, is the accordion player? Like, oh man, that place <laughs> is full of ghosts. Yeah, totally. Yeah, apparently yeah. a violin player died at Warner Brothers uh, at one point too. I mean, you feel like these, these rooms have been around since the 30s with people working in them nonstop. So like, there's got to be at least one person that died in the room yeah, during the course of that yeah. time. Just right, like, yeah. The math just signed a, you know. I wonder what that would be from. Is it just the <laughs> insane amount of cardio from playing a violin or an accordion? <laughs> <laughs> no, mix, it was probably like an aneurysm. Cocaine. It was probably like a heart attack or an aneurysm or I mean, something dude, like that. I mean, they all smoked cigarettes at work. So <laughs> yeah, like, that's a good point. It's not, yeah. it's not a healthy, yeah. healthy crew. As we've <laughs> covered in the past, the little notches in the music yeah. stands. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, so funny. Yeah, okay. Workaholics like something out of a Mad Men. Everyone showing up, just a room full of cigarettes. <laughs> dude, the microphones had to have just been coated in fucking smoke, like the walls. Oh yeah, dude, the walls. You walk into a, a like a friend or a family member's house where you know someone smokes, which is a more and more rare sort of thing. And you walk in their house yeah. and it just smells, especially inside their home. It's yep. like you, you can't even just repaint and get that yeah. out. That's no. it's funny. The motorhome my parents bought, the, they the people who owned it before them were like smokers and would smoke inside of it. Oh, and it took them like so. My dad's friend has this company that basically like if you, yeah, it's like made he for pull, yeah, it basically is made to like pull out like odors of like you know, whether it's furniture or like you know just generally like cars or whatever. And, and like houses and stuff and so they had to use that shit like four or five times to finally get the smoke out wow it was it's insane uh, yeah oh man my step my stepfather smoked um and he smoked oh, wow. in the house this is a it's a good segue into drugs right uh, <laughs> nic nicotine certainly ranks up there as a, yeah. a one of the most worlds used and abused drugs um yeah my stepfather uh smoked cigarettes in the house 
um, because I guess when he was coming up, that was cool. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, than that. it was it it it, it uh, you know had a few influences on my life. One of which is I've always had a severe aversion to uh, to the smell of cigarettes and to cigarette smoke in general. It's uh, that's uh, have you ever been a smoker though? Um, I mean, I smoke weed, and yeah. I have smoked weed for a very long time. I tried cigarettes when I was a kid because they were in the house, and, you know, what do you do when you're a kid? You find a pair of, pack of cigarettes. Maybe you try one once, at least lighting fire, um, and it sucked. I, think I didn't <laughs> like doing what kinda, it. Do you know what kind of cigarettes well, they were? Well, he smoked. He smoked. Um, uh, they were a, a menthol brand, actually. A Salem. Oh, he smoked Salem <laughs> menthol. <laughs> Classic. I was like, wow, oh, yeah, some gangster shit. Like, what? Um, I don't think I know anyone who's smoked a Salem before. That's interesting. Neither do I. That's but, uh, wild. Yeah. That's um, fucking funny. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you have never been a fan of uh, of nicotine. Uh, yeah, no, I'm right there with that. you. I think cigars smell okay, and I think yeah. pipe tobacco smells okay, but yeah, cigarettes is just... Oh. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> Just, uh. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand why people get addicted to nicotine. Besides the fact that it's addictive, it's obviously a stimulant. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, there's other ways to get your stimulant besides that. Yeah. Like so many bad. It does so much bad stuff to your body. Just the smoking it. It's like yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's fucking crazy. One thing actually we didn't really mention before on the on the cannabis podcast about me and Micah's uh, <laughs> incident with our lungs, uh, how we were coughing up resin, and uh, that's one thing that like can or that nicotine doesn't do is it just sticks in your lungs, which is just so bad for oh. you. Like at least the I thing the nicotine, good thing about yeah. well, sorry, yeah, nicotine, tobacco like, smoke. I mean, yeah. uh, just gets coated in your lungs and stays there. But whereas like cannabis will eventually cough your cough itself out or will cough itself out a lot easier because like I had a, I have a coworker that used to smoke and uh he said it like after six months of like not smoking that like he would just then started like coughing up like fucking globs of tobacco and shit. <sighs> Talking about this coworker? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> good, good for this coworker. Yeah, yeah. No good yeah totally. Yeah. 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 So basically uh uh negative shout out. Yeah, <laughs> that was a very good use of the negative shout out, dude. Yeah, Look at you. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> nice. Hell yeah. With the, <laughs> With the nice. <laughs> so, Adam, what was the first drug you ever tried as a kid other than cigarettes? That's a, that's a good question. Other than cigarettes and other than alcohol. And weed. Um, other than weed, too. <laughs> other than weed. Okay, because, yeah, I didn't actually try. I didn't actually smoke weed until I was 18. Okay. Um, cool. Be a late bloomer for you guys, but uh, <laughs> the first, the first, I would say, yeah, drug I ever did that you know entering like quasi psychedelic was uh, MDMA, and that was oh, cool. after I graduated college. I was probably like 22, 22, 23 years old. Um, tried MDMA for the first time. That's a good age Hell to yeah. try. It. That is totally. a fantastic. Yeah, age to try it, it, it. it was. I, I, I mean, you know. I have no choice. That's when I did it. But I, I definitely was a late bloomer when it came to, say, uh, psychedelics and, and harder drugs. I was very apprehensive of, of anything like that all through college. I did the 80s drug, you know, programs. They worked well on me. I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't really dive into that stuff till later. But, yeah, it was uh, – uh, I met up with a couple of college friends. We'd all graduated. We'd all moved to uh, uh, – my buddy was living in San Francisco and uh, another friend of ours. We, we descended upon Vegas – 
um, <laughs> descended upon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from three different, three different, three different places. And um, my buddy who had uh, moved to San Francisco and uh, was working at Dolby Labs, actually, Fuck uh, yeah, ha- had had a friend that kind of initiated him into some uh, some other other things beyond weed, and one of them was MDMA. And uh, and Hell then yeah. he uh, initiated me into MDMA. And this is when. This was of an era when you would go to Dance Safe and nearly everything was just testing 100% pure MDMA before before that that went away. If you guys are familiar with Dance Safe uh, yeah, or definitely. the old Dance Safe website, I don't yeah. I don't I haven't been there in a very long time. Yeah. But yeah, so this was this was a uh, was a pretty pretty great positive um, eye opening. You know that moment of oh my gosh, there there's all this over here. I had no idea. Wow. Um, so it was certainly a, a moment of I wanted to explore other things beyond that. Once I had that that first experience that's amazing that's fucking cool yeah so you at yeah. least had the Damn. time to develop your brain and <laughs> you know uh understand yeah right obviously right i didn't do it what you were in doing. like in a teenage years or something like that right. which you know in 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 retrospect that'd be interesting too i mean i know people sure. that, like people have done acid when they're like 12 or 13 years i know old, which yeah. blows my mind i'm like i can't even imagine you know what that would uh what that would do but, yeah, uh, or I can't imagine what that would do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so yeah, I, I, uh, I uh, first time I did MDMA, I was 23 years old. Um, wow, yeah. that's fucking dope. Yeah, I mean, I, I can kind of relate to that because that was the first time I did LSD was when I was 23, and I'm definitely glad I like let my like brain develop that much. Like, granted, I did do like MDMA when I was like 17 and stuff, and which I wish I probably would have waited later. But yeah, I, I'm definitely thankful that I waited to do psychedelics until I was at like a very good age. It's a uh, lot which I think process. 23 is, yeah, it's a fucking lot to process. So that's why I think, like, you know, 22, 23, 21, like, mm-hmm. that you should wait until at least you're, like, 21, probably. Especially, In my opinion. Especially MDMA. A child's thoughts and emotions are so freaking volatile. And taking totally. something that's just going to provoke you and maybe make you have irrational feelings and thoughts. I don't know. Yeah. I just don't think it's good for kids. Like that, uh, yeah. that first time I did MDA, MDMA, the... Uh, the crash was also the hardest crash I've ever had before, or I mean, since that that first time. It was uh, it was an extremely long low, like wow. lasting lasting like a week. That's actually. how the recent time I tried MDMA or MDA, MDA mm-hmm. uh, it was fucked for like a week. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was really. I was just like, you know, and I, and I got really into the uh, the like uh, pharmacology of it too. I had this. I found this book shortly after called Drugs and the Brain, which was, I don't know if it was like an entry collegiate level book, but it looked at lots of different classifications of drugs and gave you basic breakdowns as far as what was happening. And I was thought, well, I mean, you know, this batch of MDMA must have core dumped like all the serotonin I had stored (laughs) for all 23 years at that moment. And now it's all gone. And it's going to take me a little bit of time to, rebuild this and it's going to have to come from more than just eating a lot of turkey or uh <laughs> taking those uh solar a yeah. you know uh those uh what that 5 htc 5 htp yeah yeah 5 htc yeah more, it takes a lot more than that to synthesize that stuff but yeah it was a pretty so i i had a really amazing high and an equally intense low um both of which are big learning experiences about taking a drug like that. <laughs> right. And it's definitely something you'll never forget too. Absolutely. <laughs> what um, did you do on it? Um, at that point, um, I spent a lot of time, 
we spent a few hours at this, like, literally, it was like a club playing, like, a lot of, like, electronic music that forever, <laughs> to forever, like, burned into my brain um, my association with, like, dance club electronic music and, uh, like, rave, rave kind of music at that era, early 2000s, and, uh, and MDMA and that drug. Um, <clears throat> for, so for one of those experiences where if I hear a certain genre of music, I, I feel it still. Like it, it's like, I feel what it felt like to be on that listening to that music. So right. I'd always, I'd always joke sometimes that, um, you know, uh, we know what the, some of the side effects are. I'm like really good club music. I'm like, wow, I already need to take a shit and I haven't even taken it. Like, how, how is that possible? I was like, how is that even like biochemically possible? And yet like, yeah. and, and, and yet it was a legit, so I'd laugh, like a legit association. Right? That's right. so funny. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's something we talked about in our MDMA episode was that it gives you kind of this PTSD to where if you hear certain songs or certain things, you completely feel like you're high again. Like it's, it, yeah, it feels totally. like you're on MDMA again. It's, like yeah, it's amazing. It's it's, yeah, it's yeah. actually amazing because toward the end, like I I really don't like MDMA, and after a few years of being a club kid and taking it and watching the quality go down, mm. um, you know, the quality going from basically something is either something is either pure or it's not pure. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. like people, you know, there was a time when, um. MDMA, we called it X, we called it E or ecstasy. And then there was this word that came around called Molly. And I was like, well, what is Molly? Well, Molly is really good E. It's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. It's either E or it's cut with something or, <laughs> yeah. or, it's, not, or it's not what you bought. Uh, right. Yeah. That's right. a really good point. That's fucking dope. Yeah. It, 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 that led a lot I, of people to think that uh, the Molly was cut with heroin and all kinds of different things. Yeah, there's always that myth, like what we mentioned in the MDMA episode, or like how like ecstasy is like a mixture of like MDMA and like heroin and a bunch of other shit. And it's like, what? Like, right. That's right. not at all. That makes right. no sense. Right. Maybe maybe the bad shit is. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's like, it's <laughs> Don't like there's take a, the brown ass. There's a whole there's a whole <laughs> giant generation of people that have never had uncut cocaine. Nobody even knows what good cocaine is like. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I say that as someone that had good cocaine once in my life because a friend of mine, who I won't mention on this podcast, but it's <laughs> yeah. a pilot, and he uh, gifted me once <laughs> uh, cocaine he had brought back with him from Colombia. Heck Fuck yeah. yeah, dude. And, That's and, awesome. And, and, and I didn't know what I was about to get into. He gifted it to me for my birthday. And he's wow. like, I don't want this stuff anymore. Here, take it. And I'm like, okay. You may regret Hell this yeah. later. Are you sure? Um, okay. I'm sure you regret that. Wow. It hits you other day. And I... You guys... I don't know if you guys have done blow or tried it or, or done it before. I, I think all of us have tried okay. it, right? So I was really taken aback by this because I'd never had uncut cocaine before. And the, the first thing I noticed is there was no nasty drip. Yeah. That's dope. Because what I realized at that moment was that nasty tasting drip is the stuff that isn't the cocaine that, that's, that's <laughs> passing through. Yeah. My, the whole top of my face like went numb like yeah. as if I was Damn. at the doctor's office. I was like, holy fuck. And it didn't last 20 minutes because I did the amount that I thought would be the normal amount. And it lasted like two hours. Right. Holy shit. Yeah, I was like, dope. And, and it was clean and not jittery. And I was like, wow. So, so basically everything else you ever get is, is adulterated, diluted, you know, stepped on. And, uh, uh, yeah. So I, I don't do that. I've never, I've really like, 
I don't know, I've found in, in times that, I think you guys have talked about this, I'd rather not do it than do a version of it that's adulterated or fucked yeah. up. I'll just skip it. It's like, yeah. you wouldn't drink bad coffee. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I get coffee at the gas station every morning. <laughs> well, it's because you're a fucking piece of trash. <laughs> no, have, have you had 7-Eleven's coffee? It's no, and I, it's going to stay that way. <laughs> I've, I've had Dutch Brothers coffee. Dude, oh, yo, that's, shout I out Dutch Brothers. No, hell no. Yeah, nah. right, right. Before well, that was black. before I was diabetic. Uh, <laughs> oh shit! Oh my, yeah. no, I'm not diabetic. I mean, it was fun as a tourist until yeah. you start realizing how much sugar is in there, and it's like, yeah. this is this is really horrible for oh, yeah. everyone that pulls in here. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, and oh, that's part of the reason why I started just drinking coffee black is because I was drinking so much coffee every day that I was just like. I'm putting like sugar and fucking yeah. like all this so bad. like oat or For no reason. like regular milk actually right. like creamer and shit which also has sugar in it and I, it's just so bad and I was like I'm ingesting so much sugar every day and it's just not fucking chill. Yeah. So I uh, this Black. that was a smooth transition into a new drug, coffee. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you guys have you guys talked about uh Did you guys do a caffeine podcast? We haven't, but no. we, we I that'll, think that's coming up that, soon. Yeah. 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 It's going to be a good one, yeah. Especially, I fucking love, uh, you know. We, yeah. I love coffee. You love coffee. We get Jack oh, yeah. in the studio. Any, any Yerba Mate fans in the in Dude, the house? it's funny. Actually, Raven's brother got me into Yerba Mate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't I, know if I've told Yeah. I drink the actual uh, leaves. Like, I steep the leaves. Uh, Dude, I used to do that, too. I have a gourd, actually, in my cupboard. I, I got the, I had the loose leaves, What whatever that company is that makes, like, the... They're like the yerba mate people. They yeah, have the gooey, bag, yucky. right? Exactly. Yeah. They have the bag of loose leaves, and I, right. I for, for a while there, I was putting that in a in a French press that I was only using for yerba mate, basically, and just throw it in there and uh, and press it down. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I'd be really curious to know like what else is in coffee versus the yerba mate. But I felt like the yerba mate was a less jitterier, cleaner yeah. upper, and I was really right. intrigued by what chemically the difference might be because obviously yeah. they both have caffeine but it can't be it's obviously not the same yeah right i'm you gonna know, sound I, real stupid but i just put two and two together that yerba uh has caffeine in it <laughs> yeah i never really oh. think about that because it's you know uh the beans like coffee well, beans and yerba mate actually, have the same chemical and they're two yeah, very it different just has, plants yeah but right it has a fuck ton of caffeine in it. Is yeah, what it is. It's like like eat. one can of it has like 160 milligrams of caffeine, which is double what's in a normal but, cup. Yeah, of coffee. but those those ones are bad. The ones like in the, the yellow can stuff, can. I have to. Well, it's because they have a bunch of sugar. in Yeah, it. I have to imagine the caffeine might also be added in the can, and they're just yeah. kind of making like an Arizona drink. Oh, uh, that's I'm a good skeptical. point. Yeah, that's like, a really yeah. Good like point. the really like the really only way to really tell is to just steep the leaves or yeah. like yeah. right. There's a can Girl. made in Oregon that uh, they sell here that. It's right next to the yellow can. It's only four grams of added sugar versus, I think, like over 30 grams 30, in the yellow yeah. can. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, well, the, the Guyaki sells it in bottles at like uh, Whole Foods and oh, stuff yeah. where it's unsweetened. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Those that's are delicious. Really good. But so I was actually, it's theobromine uh, that is in Yerba Mate. That's theobromine. It's the same chemical that's in chocolate as well that makes the. It essentially oh, is, it's like a vasodilator. It opens up the blood vessels, but it also oh. has like a slight stimulant effect to it. And the other idea is that it it essentially makes it to where caffeine um, hits you like much faster. And so I think that it's like part of the, you know, it's opening up your blood vessels. So it's allowing caffeine to hit you quicker. But 
I think that's part of why people feel like yerba mate hits them quicker. And it's also why if you eat good dark chocolate, you'll have a little bit of like a stimulant feeling to it. That's not mm-hmm. just the caffeine in the chocolate. Uh, yeah. Um, so is, is that theobromide also in coffee? Or that's I don't think in it is. Mate. I, okay. Yeah, I'm not mm. sure if it is in coffee. I know that it's definitely in your mate, and that's kind of I think that's what makes your mate slightly different for its okay. yeah. stimulant effects. Um, I've definitely noticed that yerba just gets you way more jacked, way faster. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah, but less. But for some reason, less jittery. It's almost me. like euphoric yeah. for me. Yeah, it is euphoric. Yeah. yeah, I always felt like very. Uh, um, I don't know. I get like that with caffeine anyway. But like very. Uh, I call it a. Uh, Coffee uh, over positivity. It's gonna be a great morning. We got all this great shit lined up. Like, like feeling good about the day. Like, it's yeah. not, you know, I'm not just alert. It's like there's a there's an aura of positivity. It's almost like the mixture of mushrooms and like coffee. But what do you like, like do if you, you microdose mushrooms? What do you guys get when you drink too much coffee? Because for me, I get tired. It, 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 I get cranky and tired no if I drink too much coffee. But I'm really sensitive to caffeine. I'll drink. I'll I'll get a. Tall cup from Seven uh, Eleven in the morning, and by four o'clock, I'm probably pouring a third mm. of it out, and I'm fucking jacked. But if I drank that whole thing, I would just be like crashed. I couldn't. Do it. <laughs> so it gets me so tired. It's because yeah. caffeine is a really strange stimulant in the sense that it, uh, the way that it affects your brain, it attaches to adenosine receptors, which are like the receptors that tell your body that you're either like awake or asleep. Like you could think of them as literally like sleep receptors in the sense that they initiate when you're tired. So what caffeine does is it comes on and it blocks those from doing their thing. So as you build a tolerance to caffeine, you literally get the opposite of an effect where you, the more you do it, the more tired you're going to be because it ends up activating your tired receptors more and more as time goes on. It's kind of strange because oh, other stimulants don't do that. You could smoke meth for two weeks straight and just stay awake. But yeah, except... Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like you're gonna go to bed eventually. The, the human body is an interesting thing. I feel like there's a point where I would, you know, have had these discussions with friends that have been on a lot of stimulants, possibly also including myself. And um, <laughs> um, I, I, I would say the, the thing that I, I often would come back to is that without fail, given a long enough timeline, your body's gonna go to sleep. Yeah, because oh, yeah it, it will decide that no matter what you throw in it, it's time to go to bed. Um, yeah. and, and, and which I always find pretty amazing at that point. It's like, there is this point of you're done. Um, I feel uh, like those are the guys you see that look like they're just stuck in the matrix on the sidewalk. <laughs> like they got to that point while they were walking and then they're just like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, just stopped. Any, it's, any, like, any it's like a day nine of Burning Man. Like you have to <laughs> you've already driven home and like you have to go to work the next day. Or oh, something. dude, which I, I, yeah, we should definitely get into Burning Man, but I, I, I'd <laughs> well, love to mention, just, what's up? Before you get on, uh, I looked it up to make sure. So yerba mate has L-theanine in it, which is an, uh, it's like a compound that makes you kind of relaxed and calm. And that's oh. what's in green tea as well. Wow. So people have started to take L-theanine in like larger doses in conjunction with caffeine for like a nootropic like cognitive oh. enhancing effect because it takes away from the jitteriness of caffeine and it leaves you with like a more like uh, coherent, like clean feeling of caffeine. So it's been added to a lot of drinks and stuff. But anyway, it's naturally found in both green tea and yerba. So it's possible mm. that that's what makes yerba That's a really cool. Different. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, very interesting. What, I mean, what you just described is all the sort of euphoric part. Like, yeah, whereas for me, uh, too much caffeine makes me jittery. But with yerba mate, that, that part doesn't come up. 
in that way. So that's interesting yeah. that that's sort of balancing it out, perhaps. Totally. Also, yeah, people take it for sleep. Like you can take like 200 milligrams, which is way more than you'd get in a cup of green tea or something. Mm-hmm. And it can actually like be kind of like a sedative. It can calm that's down. so strange. Whoa. Just the L-theanine? L-theanine? Yeah, I was going to say, what is it yeah. called? Oh, I thought you meant just your your Ramadan. No, no, you wouldn't <laughs> want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, how the fuck? <laughs> no, yeah. I was going to say, it's probably a lot easier to snort too rather than coffee beans ground up. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> I'd love to just, uh, just go, kind of just start from the beginning of like, you know, how maybe just like how you got into music, how like how you started in your career path. Just give us a background on like, Maybe where you're from, like uh, for sure, and yeah. how you got started and all this. And before we get too deep into too deep into drugs, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> sure. So uh, I grew up, uh, I grew up in a uh, town called Cherry Hill, New Jersey, um, which is really close to Philadelphia and not too far from New York. So in that sort of northeast area, there, I um, got involved in music, um, playing music at a fairly young age. I had a public school system that had a really cool music program, and I started playing trumpet in fourth grade and Damn. eventually through music at school I was playing electric bass and things like that and decided I wanted to continue on with music um, and eventually wound up at the University of Miami um, in their music engineering program which Hell yeah. was like a core moment of this is what I want to do this is really interesting stuff and hadn't quite figured out what that meant um, until one point I decided I thought it would be fascinating to work in Hollywood where uh, movie, movie soundtracks, movie scores get recorded. Um, I think that came from growing up. I, I definitely enjoyed movie soundtracks. I was a scoring geek would be the, would be the term, you know, um, <laughs> and, and playing orchestral music. And that, that oh, kind of yeah. drove me to wanting to come to L.A. Um, and and make a career in the recording industry in Los Angeles and try to get involved with recording orchestras. That's dope. And you played upright bass as well, right? I played I played double bass. I played uh, I played in the orchestra and I also played jazz double bass. That's fucking dope. So yeah, it was uh, it was a fun few years and it was a uh, it was a really important part of my life. Um, and it got me to the place where um, when I moved here, I stopped playing my instrument. It was wow. one of those things <laughs> where um, I I had kind of decided my focus uh, was going to be with uh, the audio side and not the performance side. Yeah. Um, and, and that was okay because, uh, you know, I, I knew where I was as a bass player and I knew where my peers were and I was like, they're better doing the <laughs> playing and I'm better yeah. doing the recording. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, coming to California was always a, uh, I think it was something I always knew was in my future. Even when I was a kid, my aunt lives in San Francisco. She, oh, moved, yeah. she moved out here from Philadelphia when she was very young. Sure. And I came to visit, uh, once to san francisco and see my aunt and my uncle and oh yeah um yeah it's uh it's cool i definitely prefer the west coast hell yeah, yeah. that's sick dude yeah and when did you if you don't mind saying when did you move out to california uh 1999 june 1st 1999 i oh, yeah. i drove from miami to la and wow. pulled up yeah yeah it's a long drive guys by the way <laughs> how long did it take you like five or six days <clears throat> i think you know, I wasn't trying to do a thousand miles a day. So, yeah. you know, I, I did it in like, I think five days. I, I made it fun. Like I wasn't in a yeah. rush. Which route did you take? Uh, basically from Miami, you just got to come up and hit I-10. And sure. then it's like literally I-10 until you get to Santa Monica. Damn. <laughs> it's like, it's a I, long I always drive. forget that that freeway goes all the way Jackson, across the world. Jacksonville to Santa Monica, basically. Holy yeah. shit, dude. Yeah. 
crazy. Yeah, it's wild. It's crazy that you go from Santa Monica to Jacksonville of all places. Yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> and it's crazy. Uh, I, I recommend anyone that uh, hasn't taken a long road trip uh, to do so. Uh, it's fascinating to see the, the country that way and see the geography change slowly over hundreds and hundreds of miles as you as you go through, you know, traverse through like swamp into into plains and then into yeah. mountains and desert. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Damn, yeah. that is cool as fuck. Yeah. I've still not made it over to the East Coast too much. I've been to New York and that's it. But other than that, I think the furthest I've been is Oklahoma, but in a road trip. So that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, that is dope. I forgot you guys did all that. Yeah, I've never been I've never been out of the West Coast. Like the furthest east I've ever been is Vegas, which is right. not Damn. far. Yeah. No, not yeah. At all. So yeah, I've been I've been meaning Well, you to make have a trip. Prius. Let's go. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you make a good point there, dude. I have no excuse. Yeah, gas is only $500 a gallon these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, wow. no, but fucking That's I think awesome, when this though. comes out, I'll be going I'll be in Germany next week. So nice. That's gonna be dope. That's awesome though. So you knew music was your was the way for you since fourth grade, you said? I did. I I uh I wanted to stay involved with music. It was it was my passion and I and I and I I loved, you know, doing stuff with music and and the idea of of not just wasn't interesting. I couldn't find anything else I was as passionate about. I did go to school uh for one year uh to purdue university which is in west lafayette indiana and i was gonna you know on an electrical engineer track um and like within the first two months i just knew this was a this was not gonna work <laughs> out i was not gonna stay there for four years and and, and do this it, i wasn't i wasn't a good fit for for that part of indiana and the the program it was just i was making mistakes so i was really grateful to be able to pivot after that first year and go to miami yeah. Hell yeah. Not That's playing super with the, dope. the right chords. Right. There the right you go. Wires. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's cool. And so when you moved out here, did you get a job like almost immediately at a studio or? I I did, luckily enough. I did an internship at the Sony scoring stage the year before I Positive moved out here <laughs> um, and, and made a lot of amazing contacts, contacts that would, you know, and friendships that uh, I still have to this day. Um, and the uh the person that was the tech at the sony scoring stage at the time pat weber um helped me get my first job when i moved out here which was wow. working at audio effects which was an audio rental company in burbank i forgot you worked there yeah yeah that's but, dope and and the owner of audio effects also owned enterprise studios oh, so i, I right. started out in the back room like making cables and snakes and stuff yeah. like that and, and at some point, a tech position opened at Enterprise, and they asked me if I wanted to do that. And yeah. after I thought about it long enough and decided I should do that, I, 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 that was my first studio job. Yeah, pretty quickly, Damn. too. That's yeah. dope, dude. That was a very exciting time to be, you know, soon out of college and have, a, like, a legit job at a studio that wasn't, wasn't a runner. It was, yeah. It was pretty cool. That is, that is cool, because I only know the studio world of starting as a runner which so that's pretty cool to like come in and start as like a tech and start it, that it's, way. It's like the best example that the, the investment in my college education like had like a return on its investment with yeah. that job basically. Dude, that's fucking sick. Yeah. Uh so who are some of the people you like do you want to maybe, maybe like say some of the people that worked at that studio like like yeah, big, big it, name artists cuz oh, no. it was a hip hop studio, right? It, it it was it was a hip hop studio in in part of its heyday probably. And, and yeah, sure. it was exciting. Dave Pensado was in Studio C full-time oh, lockout. No shit. 
when I was there. Um, Mike Dean was working there a lot. Wow, yeah, Mike yeah. Dean. He's 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 one of the big name engineers of all time. Days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Battle Cat was in and out of there. Scott okay. Storch was there. Yo, shout out Scott Storch. Positive shout yeah. out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's dope. There was a. Uh, it was a really interesting time. To, to I, I was there. Oh, oh, this is a good one. The day Suge Knight got out of jail. Whoa. I was in the shop. And we had cameras in there. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like, I'm in the shop. And people came back to kind of, like, hang out in the shop. Because on the couch by the reception area, sitting in the middle of the couch by himself was Suge Knight. Whoa. <laughs> and we're all like... And this was back when, like, <laughs> hey, you might have, you might be concerned. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> you don't know what else is coming. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, be out for vengeance at this point. You just or got who out of knows? Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Who knows who's looking for him? Like, exactly. I had no idea. But yeah. yeah, suddenly, like, I'm at the studio where Suge Knight is. Uh, wow. <laughs> sitting in the reception area. I was like, yeah, wacky, wacky stuff like that went down. It was pretty That's interesting. Fucking nuts. They wow. mixed. Uh, they produced and mixed the. Uh, uh, Lady Marmalade. That when that hit hit. I don't know that. That song. was like Christina Aguilera. It was like it was like a. It was for a soundtrack to Moulin Rouge, and it was like a super oh. all like it was like five female superstars on that. That was like a giant summer hit. That uh, wow. Um, a lot, there were a lot of moments of some big hits getting produced while uh, things were there. Andy Wallace did the did the first System of a Down mix. No there shit. While I was there, yeah, wow. yeah, that's fucking. Sick. Yeah, so there were some really fun, wild like things going on. You know, working at a studio was like one of the one of the top places at that time. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Well, speaking of Suge Knight, did you ever see or have you ever seen any crazy like fights or shootouts or anything so, while working? So that's a really good question because I was just mulling over. Do I tell this story? I mean, we're on Patreon, so yeah, we tell. Yeah. The well, story. this is actually going to go out to the to the general public as well as like the. Well, we could the, uh, bleep well, this part out. We could bleep. We'll, we'll part save out. this story for tune in later. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so. How long did you work at Enterprise for? Enterprise was probably like two and a half years, maybe two and a half, three years. I um, I started working part time at Fox concurrently while I was working at Enterprise. So Enterprise, I worked six p.m. to two a.m., which was actually like perfect at that age, like mid late twenties. Like get to go in in the afternoon, have your it, working at night shift like that was a lot of fun because you had your whole day free to actually get shit done. Um, Hell yeah. You know, like, oh, I got 18 errands to run. I got to go ship this stuff and yeah. go to the gym. And it's like you do all that stuff and then you just go to work magically. And you're like, How's, how does the rest of the world do it? And it's like, well, you learn you, you don't and it, and it yeah. kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> but I had my days open and at one point I got a, a phone call. Um, I got a job offer basically from the Fox scoring stage. They asked Damn. me if I wanted to train to be their backup recordist. Okay. Which was like the dream phone call to get yeah. because this That's was the, fucking dope. this was the entry into what I wanted to do that that wasn't working as a tech at a hip hop studio. Yeah, okay. And there was a little bit of overlap with the time frame. Um, you know, I, I talked to my boss, which I'll never forget, uh, Dan Shimei, um, who went on to work at Liberty Livewire and uh, Tadeo and a lot of other facilities. And I I had this opportunity. It's like I, Fox is asking me to work during the day, but sometimes I might be driving back a little late. <laughs> yeah. Might just be a little late once in a while just yeah. by the time I leave. And he's like, it's okay. 
Well, because Fox and because Enterprise was in the Valley, right? Yeah, and Studio Fox. City and okay. Foxes, and so it was just yeah. a matter of like, hey, if I'm if I'm there till five thirty, and you know, he, and he was like, it's okay, you can, we'll work it out. Don't That's dope. Take, take the gig, and it enabled me to pursue what I was really wanting to do and keep my other job, and now have two jobs. And hell yeah, yeah. yeah. It's wow. interesting because uh, <clears throat> some of the stories you hear about like artists and things in the music industry is that they try to keep each other down. They all want to be in the spotlight want to be the famous one but from what at least ryan has told me it seems like in the recording side of things it seems like everyone's trying to elevate each other and fairly positive for the most part maybe the people that ryan and i try to associate with right. i was gonna know? say yeah in in the the world like of the homies in the audio world at least for me like when i worked at capital when i worked at the bridge like being around working for adam like he, I, he's always been good about like teaching me things which i would say not all engineers these days are willing to do of like go out of their way to you know, answer questions or, like, try to show you, like, what he's doing, you know, because a lot of, like, I'd say the scoring world is a little sparse these days where some people are, like, more worried about, like, oh, like, who, are you, like, are you taking my gig or whatever? Is it, like, like versus, gatekeeping kind of? You don't want to oh, I'd say a little, yeah, that's, that's a good that's word. That's a good word. Yeah, for, for sure. So, I, I, but all the people I've really hung out around, like, the Capital guys, like, you and, you know, all the all the people, all the studios I've worked at, I've been lucky enough to have someone, you know, willing to answer questions and teach and stuff. Whereas other other people might not be so willing. I think I think it's important. I think I think you know people get protective because they feel insecure, right? Yeah, totally. and and people feeling insecure may be a very natural thing. Like, oh shit, like what am you know? I got I got to pay my rent, you know. It's, kids are going to take my job, you know? Sure, it's yeah. like people worry about those things. But I've, I've found that like in, in so many aspects of our industry, uh, even outside of audio, the people that the people that were like, that seem to be the most talented and the most relaxed are also the most giving back because they're yeah. not, they don't have any insecurity about what they, what they do. Yeah. And, and, and therefore they're so relaxed about it. They, they feel very comfortable giving back. Like right. some of the most talented people you know, have shown me everything they do. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's like, yeah, I'll show you everything I do. It's fine. It's like, you're, it's still, you still need something more than, than just that. You have to have an understanding and learning things. And it's like sharing knowledge, I think, elevates all of us, basically. Yeah, it, it right. only makes the audio industry better because then it's showing the new generation, like, how to do things properly rather than, I think that's where, like, hip-hop is lacking a lot is a lot of these kids that come out of school and land these gigs with these big artists and they don't, really have that, that training of like from a from a proper mixer that's all like YouTube or and like figure it out yourself type of thing. Yeah, that may be a reflection on how our industry has changed where you don't really have the opportunity to apprenticeship right. with people. Whereas if I go back to the enterprise example, yeah. um, you know, if you were Dave Pensado's assistant for two, two and a half years and then cycled out and someone else took that gig, you just spent two and a half years assisting one of the top mixers in the world. Yeah. Um, and now you are ready to launch your career as an offshoot of everything you learned from your experience and someone else comes in and, in a sense, apprentices. Right. Um, a lot of that's gone, gone away, although now we right. have access to YouTube, which is like the world's biggest, you know, YouTube can be good and bad, right? You can yeah. learn a lot of great things or you can learn a lot of horrible things that people are propagating. So the, the opportunity to learn and train is very different than it used to be. Yeah. You know, with having a one-on-one -on -one sort of opportunity to learn from, from 
the best people is those opportunities are are less now i think yeah i agree but um yeah that's super interesting so you worked at enterprise for around two and a half years Mm -hmm. and then you worked at fox for how long did you work at fox for i probably worked at fox for part-time for maybe it was like a year and a half two years okay um once you know, it was it was interesting because once Fox, Fox invested in training me and spent the time to train me, then I started getting calls from like uh, the other stages on occasion. Suddenly, Dave, yeah. you know, uh, Dave, when he was working at Todd AO doing the recordist gig, wanted to take a vacation for a week for the first time ever. And yeah. like, hey, let's call this kid that's now filling in at Fox. So suddenly I started floating around at all the stages, which was really cool. Hell yeah. Because then I got to work everywhere and see what all those things were like. Yeah, that's dope. So when we when we yeah, say the other awesome. stages, we mean so there's three stages really in town. There's well, yeah, I guess back there then were five. There were, more, there were but, five. Yeah, it was it was Paramount and Tadeo, which have closed right. since then. Yeah, and then Sony and Warner Brothers and Fox. That's right. That's right. And so, um, and I started filling in at all the studios, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, and then I got an offer from from Sony to to come in, um, for reasons the the previous recordist was leaving. Yeah. And I was asked if I was ready to to do this job full time, which I absolutely was not. Um, (laughs) I I, I may have been, but I was not, I was very insecure about that. It was like, I'm, I haven't been doing this that long. Like, I don't know this job that well yet. Like, um, but, uh, you know, I acted as if I did and I said, hell yeah, I'm ready to do this This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Of course you're going to, yeah. And you know, um, you take it. Um, and it was super exciting and yeah, obviously like I didn't get fired for messing up, so it was okay. Like yeah. <laughs> hung in there, but yeah, that was one of those, uh, that was one of those times where, uh, um, uh, I think Jimmy Iovine talks about this. It's like fear is a really good motivator. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fear of losing your job, of fucking up, like prevents you from fucking up. So yeah, that, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like that could be a two way street. Either you fuck up really bad because you're too nervous or. You get it done. You make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it just depends on like how your anxiety works for like you and stuff like that. That's right. Because right. for me, like I'm I'm a similar way. When I get anxious about like if I don't know something, like I'm going to spend so much time researching, like trying to figure it out so I don't like fuck up. Yeah. That's, that's terrible under pressure. That's the ADHD <laughs> dopamine focus of, of fear and pain. It's yeah. like <laughs> my life depends on this. I can't. Yeah. I can't fuck this up. Yeah. Wow, Last time I dealt with any amount of pressure at all, I ended up hitting a, a main water pipe for a building with a forklift. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Hey, man. <laughs> did, did you get it on film? Uh, no. Oh, did you get fired? No. Hey, there you go, dude. <laughs> wow. I was good at driving a forklift. Dude, just, this dude rips on a forklift, yeah. dude. Wow. <laughs> you know, it doesn't yeah. sound like it from Can the Can you get story, him up on one so. wheel? But, no, what the hell? <laughs> I'm not trying to die. Those things are thousands of pounds. I, I feel like I've seen like a certain video on YouTube of like a dancing yeah. forklift, a guy like yeah. like one wheel. Oh, like, probably. Feel like, yeah, I feel funny. like that's there. Yeah. That's hilarious. Hydraulics on a forklift. Yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> uh, popping the lift up. There's a ticking <laughs> time bomb. I would never do that. I, like I mean, I guess hydraulics on it. I guess Aren't forklifts are always in three wheel motion. Um. Oh, I know. What am I? No, no the, the smaller forklifts have only three wheels. Oh, right. The back, the one back middle. Yeah. There's like a back middle. That's wheel. what I learned how to drive when I, I had a job at this place in, in Bend. I, I drove a forklift and uh, it only had three wheels because it was in a warehouse and needed to be smaller. Yeah. Make these really like super tight turns. Maybe, yeah, like. exactly. I was just doing donuts the whole day, dude. Nice. <laughs> it's pretty dope. Um, 
All right. <laughs> I have to ask, Brian, are you wearing a Blue Lives Matter shirt today? Oh, it kind of looks like it. Does it really look like oh, that? Oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. So funny. Uh, actually, all lives matter. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not wearing a Blue Lives Matter shirt. Blue Lives Matter shirt. Uh, technically. <laughs> that's something I got started at, at the studio with Adam. I got him and fucking shout out Sean. <laughs> him and Sean saying technically for a while. Was that's funny. Oh man, then I then I then I had to stop myself yeah. and I started saying theoretically I'd like I'd like secure it back up. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's funny. Uh no, so we've talked about it before. All cops are Bill. Uh Yes. <laughs> uh, not wearing a Blue Lives Matter shirt. Don't support that. Really, at all. it's weird that you haven't uh, showed us your shirt. Yeah. So what's on that? <laughs> uh, it's it. a fucking Hurley shirt, dude. Okay. Oh, it looks kind of like a Blue Lives Matter Hurley shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so surfer of me to wear a Blue Lives Matter shirt. <laughs> uh, no. So anyway, um, so okay, so then you started at Sony and you worked at Sony for uh fifteen years. Damn, it's a long time. Um, yeah, uh, fifteen years is a long time to be uh work anywhere. Um, and I got that job. I was very young. I was twenty five years old when I got that job. Wow, the only person wow. younger than me to get a job at Sony is this guy. <laughs> nice. Um, I started at twenty three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you started in a more pressure, like a higher pressure position though. Like I started on the stage, which I still currently do but like in the control room as a recorder i guess we need to explain like the recordist position is yeah the recordist is is the equivalent to an assistant engineer at a at a at a regular music studio where the you you basically set everything up on the console for the for the mixer um so you 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 patch the room you you at at a scoring stage you kind of figure out the layout of of at least with with us at sony um you take all the information from the client and you put it in a basically a, a a table and a formula for the crew to set everything up and then you set everything up in the control room and you know often at times you're you're operating pro tools when i was there it was it was two inch tape machines and then it became pro tools um and and yeah you're you're in the session you're deep in it until it's over basically wow how was that transition and, from tape into digital it's really interesting because um there were many different digital tape formats that existed before Pro Tools. So, so there was analog tape, and then yeah. there was all these different digital tape versions. There was huh. op- the, Sony made an open reel digital tape tape machine called the thirty three forty eight. Um, Heard uh, of that? Uh, Otari made a digital tape machine. Uh, Mitsubishi made a digital tape machine. These were all right. developing digital technologies, but on open reel tape. Um, but people always preferred the analog tape. The only thing to finally push analog tape out was digital to hard disk. Um, that was suddenly, that was really the game changer because, because of the edit, ability to edit everything and record. Gotcha. And yeah. probably the, the, the storing of it, tape, analog tape is a lot harder, harder to store than a hard drive, I'd say, probably. I, I think it, it it flipped basically. It wasn't for a while. It wasn't, but oh, tape okay. was tape was plentiful and and drives were expensive. Um, oh, yeah. There was an there was an era when writing. like the biggest drives were nine gig SCSI drives, and I remember. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so like there and that was, was like a big deal. There was, and and you couldn't record, and you had to split up your tracks. You'd have four drives, and you're like I can record twenty four tracks 
16 tracks to this disc, and then I allocate the other 16 tracks to this disc. Wow. Oh, because the buses damn. were slow. Like, think of your old parents' PCs that were beige and shit, you know? It was like, <laughs> it yeah. was, and, and tape was plentiful, but then tape became very expensive to manufacture. Mm. And due to environmental laws, it became cost prohibitive and impossible to manufacture. And mm. as drives got bigger and cheaper, um, and tape became more cumbersome and awkward, and you, it was just you could do so much more, so much easier just by looking at the screen. Yeah, it eventually just you know one just supplanted the other, basically. Interesting. But it, all the other digital tape machines came and went, and it really wasn't until digital on a hard drive looking at a screen that finally it it finally beat the analog tape out. Wow, hmm. makes me wonder what's Very next. Cool. <laughs> Crystal Hollow Store. <laughs> Wait, I've what? actually seen that. It's like a technology yeah, that like, yeah. um, one of my college professors would talk about in a sort of passing fashion. It's like a very futuristic kind of um, storage medium. I think it's still only relegated to uh, like university labs. At the time, oh. he referred to it as Crystal Hollow Store, but it was storing data in like a 3D crystalline glass structure. I was just telling uh, them about this. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. I was, yeah. Well, because well, I was I talking about yeah. that that new job that I'm gonna start at, where they're storing information in DNA now, like in okay. synthetic DNA. Yeah, I was slightly and, telling Adam about it, but I couldn't remember exactly. Like, he mentioned that it was biological in nature, so but it reminded me of the Crystal Hollow Store thing. I think this was yeah. more like not biological, but it is a similar. It's a three dimensional structure, basically, right? Well, I mean, yeah. So yeah, exactly the same thing with DNA, though. Like the DNA that they're doing is synthetic, so there's nothing. That's actually not biological at all. It's just like they're using what DNA the structure of it is made up of, and just taking, um, you know whatever data that you have and converting that into those uh those a c t's and g's all those letters that make up dna mm -hmm. um and then they can compact they can store just like tons and tons of information um which what is wild it, what's and it then, physically stored on silicone chips so oh it is it's, yeah it's silicone okay yeah that's fucking wow sick. Yeah, it's crazy because they're i mean that's the idea is like you could you they they already did it as like a thing to just show off but they stored like a whole Netflix episode in a synthetic DNA um, and then put it on a chip so like they could do it with everything. They could do it with music. They could do it with... Um, and theori theoretically make huge chips like terabytes really small. Yeah. Really, right. really small. They, right. they said that they could store Petabytes. the entire world's... Yeah, exactly. The entire world's amount of DNA in a shoebox. Or That's the entire world's so amount of information. That's so fucking sick. In a shoebox. Information. Yeah. All the world's info Dude, in a shoebox. That's crazy. But how many IG feeds is that? <laughs> 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 Around seven. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that's going to be sick. I'm, I'm excited to hear more about your job. When do you start? Is it like next week? Or, or not next week, but the week after? The 24th. Yeah. 24th. Okay, so you got a little bit of time. I, yeah. For some reason, well, I Well, this interview were... is not about Micah. No, it's a good but point. That, I mean, <laughs> really. but this is this is interesting. Those, yeah, it's yeah, the totally. same idea. It's the same idea, right? There, there's always the thought of like you're gonna have to start finding better data storage, you know, um, right. capabilities and, and figuring out ways to do it in the smallest way possible. But it feels like a cat and mouse game because as soon as we make it, we'll fill it with cat photos and stupid shit, and, like oh, need more yeah. space. It's like, yeah. and it's like, well, that seemed like a lot of space. <laughs> I, like, remember when? Remember when, it, I, when a terabyte seemed like an inconceivable thing? Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, it's kind of not, not, not enough anymore, especially yeah, if you're shooting 8K video. It's like yeah, I fill it up pretty quick. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be fucking sweet when it, uh, you know, ten years from now to see where we see where we're at with technology and all that. Uh, it'll be pretty interesting. So, 
so let's get back on track. So you worked at Sony for 15 years, and then you ended up leaving, and... So I ended up leaving. I started, um, I, at some point, I, I had either known or realized or decided that, you know, for what I wanted to do with the rest of my career, I would eventually have to leave the gig and, you know, fly out of the nest and, and go freelance. Um, and that was something that I you know, debated on and, and vacillated on. And, and quite frankly, I also started working part-time freelance for, on various projects with, mm -hmm. you know, various people here and there, including my, my current business partners. Um, and so it became apparent that eventually it was going to be time for me to, uh, to strike out and, and leave Sony and, you know, next time come back as a client. Yeah. Um, and so I, I hooked up with my friends that are at Hollywood Scoring. That, you know, shout out, positive shout out. You've worked with us before on various projects, which uh, Hollywood yep. Scoring is a music production company. And um, we, we built a recording space and, you know, got to do uh, things uh, with uh, a game studio we work with, uh, various esports projects around the globe. Um, producing shows and, you know, again, just like winning from assisting people that were doing what I'm doing now to now doing those things. Right. Um, awesome. And yeah, and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of growth, I think, yeah. and a lot of opportunity to learn more things. And um, yeah, so that was, that's where I'm at now. Outside of on the couch here doing the podcast, yeah, <laughs> right. And so, you and you said you you wanted to come back as a client at Sony, which you've done many yeah, times. Which, I just saw you the other day, which is yes, always very fun to go back to Sony as a client. Um, it's uh, it is like going home, certainly. Yeah. Um, and it is fun, and it is it is a one of the greatest places to work. So it is uh, it's always cool to go back there. Hell yeah. So you record game soundtracks. Are you a gamer? I am not a gamer. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. a big gamer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am not a gamer, but I, um, I've been working with uh, Riot Games on various projects oh, wow. for many years now okay. um, that uh, have ranged from recording, mixing, or, or esports broadcasts. Um, they've been a, a core client of Hollywood Scoring since Hollywood Scoring's inception. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, core part of my my relationship in the world of gaming um and 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 league culture which is a whole nother thing all unto itself right when we say league we're talking about league uh, of legends yeah, yes, yeah. have yeah. you have you done anything for valorant or anything um i've done some music recording for valorant cool Damn, that is so cool. that's like, yeah he I, loves that game i've oh, been cool. just going nuts it's like valorant. super popular yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 i i have not been involved in any esports stuff uh, for them, but I know that they, you know, Riot has a whole other um, esports program for Valorant, separate from from League, which is huge. And apparently, that has a huge following right now as well. It's oh, pretty, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, Valorant is probably one of the top competitive games in the world, along with League. Wow, interesting, amazing, very cool. Yeah, uh, other Riot projects. Oh, I, I uh, worked on season one of Arcane. Um, oh, which yeah. If, if no anyone shit. in here has or out there has seen the Netflix series Arcane, uh, there's also a, uh, uh, I think it's a five-part documentary on YouTube, The Making of, oh, of Arcane. Sick. was a really exciting project to be a part of. It was, uh, it was w one of the few projects I've worked on where when you saw it in its infancy, you knew it was going to be very successful and win awards. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. It, was just, it, it was just obvious that it was being made at a level that was very serious basically uh, right. very serious and very like like it, it had to be beyond excellent or or they would go back to the drawing board and and keep like adjusting 
interesting. Oh, I'm yeah. unfamiliar with the with the show. I yeah. usually I'm kind of a hater. So when I see a <laughs> Netflix, cool. when, I, when I see a Netflix like a Netflix original or whatever, I kind of write it off as going to be shitty because so, their original so, original cool. ones kind of suck. So you'll like this story. So so Riot and Forti Studios, which is in uh, Paris, made the show, and Netflix just distributed it. Oh, okay. Yeah, Netflix didn't wasn't actually involved in the production of it. Riot made it and was like, "Here, we have this show." Um and that's how that went down. Okay. I'll yeah, it's funny. It. I, I still <laughs> haven't watched it yet, but I, I watched like part of the first episode and I I just don't watch a ton of TV these days, uh, I get so it. like but I, I I need to actually watch it cuz I remember when we when I cuz I was there for a couple of like the voiceover stuff that mm-hmm. like, you guys were doing. Because that, that's the cool thing is because you worked on a lot of the music and you worked on a lot of the voiceover stuff yeah, on it. Yeah, it's a very interesting project because 99% of the stuff I do is is music related. But for Arcane, um, uh, I got involved with recording the voiceover of the, the talent, the actors, uh, in addition to anything with music, which was a totally new process for me. We, um, we were asked by the showrunner if we would be interested in sort of dedicating part of our studio uh, as a as a vocal booth and tweaking it out and 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 doing voiceover sessions, to which we said yes, of course, that sounds great. So yeah, so then I I sort of learned another skill to kind of manage those sessions, which was very different than recording music. But yeah, I've never been involved in a project that much before of any project for just like hmm. months and mo- or years actually, because I I worked on the the pilot. Um, no shit. I worked on the no. music for the pilot, which was later reworked as episode one. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's 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 interesting. You know, I, I I can imagine if you're a show writer or a producer or you're involved with a project for years. Um, usually, what we do is we're involved with it, especially if we're just working on the scoring stage. Just but like music comes in as recorded and leaves, you work on it for four or five days. Right. Um, right. If you're mixing the music, you work on it for a few weeks. If you're writing the music, you work on it for six months, maybe. But wow. if you're like writing writing it, you're working on it for years. Yeah. Um. So it was really interesting to be involved with the. Pro- I learned a lot about you know what happens when you're involved with a project like that for that long a time. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking cool, man. Yeah. I remember you. Like, I would look at the look at the schedule of the studio, and I would just be like, "Holy shit!" Just for days, just recording like arcane stuff a lot. Like yeah, blocked out a bunch of time for it. Yeah. It was it was it was wild, man. Very cool. The voiceover stuff has to be a lot of fun. I feel like. It it was fun. It was um, it was so different. I learned so much about what goes on into crafting a kind of performance like that. I had no idea. You, you know, the the talent, the actor is is at the studio, um, and then connected remotely. A lot of this was due to things that happened during COVID that have stayed in place. Where there's actually uh, there is a a voiceover dialogue uh, a director um, that's reading the script with. The talent reading the other lines and then you 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 do a pass and then you stop and then you talk about what the delivery maybe it should sound like this or maybe they're in this emotional state or they're coming from this place you know that's why they're saying it this way maybe you should dial it down maybe you should bring up the intensity and so you go through these iterations and these passes of recording it and you get these options or then you get the one where like that's the one that's that's correct let's move on to the next bit and you're you're crafting the show um as you go um, and this is an animated show, right? Yeah, that's yeah. correct. It is. It is a beautifully animated. Dude, show. Dude, it looks fucking amazing. So, dude. did they have the the fully animated show up while they were recording the vocals, or did they just have right. a script? So, so with VO or voiceover, you're recording before the animation. Oh, um, interesting. In, in okay. fact, I guess we, that makes sense. Yeah, with 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 ADR, 
um, which stands for automated dialogue replacement, you're, the, the actor is looking at the film and matching lip sync to a previous performance that was, that was on camera, um, just so the audience knows the difference right, between the yeah. two. Um, we did one or two ADR lines, um, or like one or two or three or four, but like 99% of the work we did was voiceover, which is recording the dialogue before, before the scene is animated. Wow. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. It's, it was a cool process because I'd never seen anything like that before, you know, the few times I was over there for it. Yeah. It, it, it opens you up to, wow, there's a whole bunch of other shit you can do with audio besides music. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. in our world, we spend so much time around music that you're like, oh, this is like, the, at least for me for so long, I was just like, you know, this is the one thing that I that right. I like know and like think I can only do. And then, you know, you see stuff like that and you're like, oh, wow, like I didn't realize that like, these other possibilities are available, and so and also like 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 dub staging. I had no idea what a fucking dub stage was until I started at. Mike knows music? about that. <laughs> That's the dub step stage. <laughs> um, oh, nice. No, so like, uh, I mean, you would explain this better than me, but essentially, a dub stage is like, uh, yeah, dub stage is, is is the mixing studio for a film or TV, um, uh, and it looks like a small movie theater, basically. Oh, um, cool. Right. So it's like a small movie theater with a recording console in the middle of it. And uh, that's where movies get mixed before they get sent to the theater, which doesn't happen anymore anyway. But, <laughs> or before it goes to a Netflix broadcast. It's sort of right. brought into like a, 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 yeah, a room to mix it's, a film. Yeah. And it's basically like where like the music, the sound effects, and the dialogue all meet together for someone to then take that and then that's right. make it. That's right. You have all these elements of all, tons of sound effects and tons of music and all the dialogue. And it's got to get mixed down to... 128 tracks, or I was going to say two tracks, but <laughs> yeah. anywhere between two and 128 tracks. Yeah. I want to <laughs> talk to whoever does that on a couple of these movies I've watched. I watched a movie yesterday where the dialogue is so quiet, but then the, the score comes in or some sound effects, and yes. it's like, holy fuck, my eardrums are going to blow out. I, I want to know what that. movie this is because fucking it's always the opposite, where it's always yeah. like dialogue is and sound effects are up front, and you can't even hear the music, and it's just working on the music. It's frustrating. <laughs> what yeah. movie was that? Uh, it was Heavy Metal Apocalypse. Nice. <laughs> Which is an amazing nice. movie. Nice. It got later renamed to Deathgasm. But. Dope. That's a it's really, a great, it have even, you never seen it? Is it even considered no. B-rated? It's what rated? Is it B-rated or is it just completely like non, non-existent? No, it's like a real movie. What do you mean? What is B-rated? Sure? I, I think it's rated R because they like they Wait, killed uh, uh, demented people with dildos and stuff. <laughs> okay, B-rated movies are like Sharknado. Like yeah. Killed, oh, hell No, yeah. I don't think it's a... No, I think it's like a legit movie. I could be wrong, though. Whoa. That's so funny. It looks like a joke. I'm judging... <laughs> it's it got a sleeve. Its cover, but. What do you mean? It's got a sleeve. That's a nice movie right there. <laughs> That's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, nice. so, okay, so... I was, so now that we know, like, just more background and stuff of, of your life and everything, when did you start going to Burning Man? So the first time I went to Burning Man was 2004. Hell yeah. Wow. And so yeah. Which, was wow, that was a long time ago now. Was that before you started at Sony or, or was that? No, I, I was already at Sony for, for two years. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah I was going, it would have been my second year. Wow. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, that was an interesting experience. The first burn, my first burn was probably my least favorite. And it took me oh, a couple. Oh, really? It was hard. It was, Burning Man is not easy. Burning Man is hard. Um, even if you have experience 
camping, and I know all you Oregon kids know the way around. <laughs> it's it'd be like camping on the moon. It's it's a it's a really oh, yeah. harsh environment. Yeah. No shade. There's no shade. Um, there's uh, there's no water. Um, you know, it's like I mean, you know, you guys have been camping where you have to pack it in, and pack it out, but there's yeah. no. There's no shade. There's no water. There's no nothing. You have to bring everything, and it's it's a grueling environment. It's a grueling day. You're it's it gets hot, um, and it may get and there may be dust storms. And that kind of dust, the kind of dust that coats the playa is not like sand or or earth. It's it it feels like a combination of the consistency of like drywall dust or flour. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and it gets it gets everywhere and it's like it atomizes and it's just dusty and if there's a dust storm, uh, it's I don't know what it's made of, but you will take your vehicle home, you will wash your vehicle, you'll dry it, you'll turn around and it will look like you didn't do anything. You're like, "What is this stuff? Holy shit. Why is it still in my paint?" <laughs> I saw a couple cars just uh recently where I was like, "Oh, they definitely were at Burning Man." Oh, Cuz it yeah. was just coated Coded. Wow. Yeah. At, at the festival I was just at, we had some structures off in the distance that like everyone just was like, oh, what are those out there? And so we all started walking out to them and um, they were burned. They were like uh, some just like cool metal pod. sculptures that people had brought. Oh. From. They were like, uh, like what was it? Like, uh, I don't know. It was like a T-Rex and like some other stuff. But they were just like really cool, huge metal sculptures. But they were <laughs> covered in that white, like the dust. It was crazy. Wow. And was this uh, Ohm on the Range? They, yeah. Okay. Well, interesting. Yeah. So like they had brought those all the way up from Nevada and then placed them at this place and they, they were still covered in shit. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I think my biggest lesson at Burning Man was whatever you do, don't sleep in a tent. Really? <laughs> sleep, yeah. sleep in a solid structure right, that, right. that has a door that you can close because, because what happened to us, as an example, um, if your tent your tent will get dusty and that dust will never leave your tent until you pack <laughs> up and that dust is going to be everywhere in your tent oh uh, and then if you go camping ever again too well right i mean you'll get it out at the end of the week but it's okay. like it, it's like it's a lot easier to maintain like some semblance of like a lack of dust in your sleeping space if you have like a door to close right um, and i'm not just i'm not necessarily suggesting an rv there was a couple years where um my friends and I, we, we'd rent like a, we'd rent like the white cargo van from Enterprise because it was really nice. cheap, and we'd like camp in that basically. Oh yeah, and it was like you at least had a door you could close and like kind of kind of manage stuff. But yeah, the first year our tent got sacked and just stayed super gross till till it ended, and I was like, I'm not coming back here in a tent again. No. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it's an interesting space because there's an opportunity to not worry about. Oh my environment! Like I'm nervous about someone seeing me high. Like, yeah. Like it's 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 it invites the experience of the sun goes down, everything lights up. What used to be L wire, now it's LEDs, and mm. and 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 the sound systems get turned on, and and you can just ride your bike or walk around in 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 a state of mind that is that is open you know, hallucinating, whether that's oral hallucinations or, or open eye hallucinations and just take it all in and enjoy it as like 
going to your own like psychedelic carnival, basically. That's fucking so. Yeah, sick. yeah, in a very relaxed state too. Like, yeah, yeah. And so you say riding your bike around because the playa is hard enough to just ride your bike around and shit. At, there have been times when there have been some soft spots, but yeah, generally Burning Man is the kind of experience that you you need a bike to navigate. Damn. Um. Yeah. It's got, really that big. Uh, it's huge. Wow. It is. Uh, I mean, and and it got bigger a handful of years ago. They widened. You know, Burning Man is set up as a as a circle, as a concentric circle. I've mean, seen the map. But no, the, I haven't. Yeah, I've the, seen pictures of it. But I've yeah, there's 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 great aerial shots of like uh, uh, Jamie, pull up a picture of Burning Man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, where's Juice? Yeah, that? yeah, um, uh, yeah. Uh, if you guys ever get a chance, look up an aerial photo of Burning Man, and it, it just kind of looks like a, a tent city, basically. But it's like an RV tent kind of city in the middle of this dry lake bed wow um, but it's huge and and yeah you will want you'll be glad you had a bicycle or something like that to to get around there's also art cars out there you can't uh, regular vehicles can't drive around out there only bikes and art cars oh interesting makes sense yeah did you ever get out to the edges where it gets like dark at night because i've had people tell me that it's one of the craziest experiences to like walk out to the edge um and just look out at you know, all lack the people of and yeah. the lights, but the other side being pitch black. I've I've been to uh yeah, so there's this part of of Burning Man known as Deep Playa, which is you know, the playa is the the open area that's not where the campsites are. And then beyond that, toward the edge of the the property, which is known as the trash fence, is <laughs> is deep playa. The trash fence is a, you know, temporary orange, you know, fence that's laid out to catch trash blowing to as much Whoa. as possible to keep keep stuff not blowing into the open desert you oh, that's know that's fucking dope it is good and burning burning man is a very strict well, not very strict like yeah strict like a uh it's in one of the important policies is pack in pack out like yeah. clean up your shit um and you know i think early on it became apparent that just due to the wind um once in a while things get away from people so they will mm. set up this like perimeter to try to catch as much stuff as possible that's one, dope one thing i tend to think about a lot is uh <clears throat> like cell phones and how I feel like back in the day, back <sighs> you said in 2004, it must have been a lot better with everybody not on their cell phone, not taking pictures of everything, not taking videos, and just the freedom of even walking around on a on a psychedelic without people putting their phone in your face or like feeling like you're going to be on a recording of some kind or a TikTok or something. I would I would say one of my favorite parts about going to Burning Man was I knew that this my cell phone had no signal out there. Okay. It was great. Um, and, and I looked forward to that, that fact that like, it doesn't matter if you want to get a hold of me, yeah. you can't, right. yeah. you can't. And, and it was a very liberating seven days, you know, five, Rock, six, yeah, seven dude. days. It was like, wow, you really can unplug. And eventually they brought in, you know, and they still do consistently. They brought in temporary cell towers and populated oh, wow. the area oh, with cell towers. Um, maybe it was. Some of it was pretty low bandwidth. I think it was just enough for some emergency services. I see. Yeah. Um, but but then it was like there was like three G everywhere, and now people mm. now I you know, I'd look and see. I've seen Instagram photos where people have posted like a, a photo from the burn boom instantaneously. I was like, wow, that that sucks. Uh, that when was know. the last time you went? Two thousand seventeen. So I've been okay. I've been seven. I, no, it, it's good when you lose track. I've been seven or eight times since two thousand and four. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have friends that have been like 17, 18 times. They go every year without fail. Yeah. Wow. Um, I've, I've, for me, I've found that I, 
I need breaks and I want to do thing other things at other times than just go to Burning Man all the time. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. But but it is a pretty it is a pretty amazing experience and and it has certainly evolved like all things. Um, yeah. You know, there's like. I don't know what the max population was this year. Like, was it over seventy thousand or something? I Jesus. think I, I remember seeing it an absurdly high. Number yeah, like I think that, in two thousand four yeah. the max population was fourteen thousand, and wow. now that's like that's like smaller than like the the uh, the early entrance, you know, at, at Burning Man. I mean, it, it is I think like the second or third biggest city in Nevada when it's going basically wow. like something Whoa. something ridiculous. Yeah, I was gonna ask because I feel like. Nowadays, especially all these influencers and Instagram people are kind of taking over sacred stuff like that. Or not sacred, but used to be cool stuff and now just kind of making think, it gross. Yeah, but. I think in general, the the problem with humans is the more people that do it, the less fun it becomes. Like, oh, yeah. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. I think it's just a, the nature of like more people occupying a space um, you know, when you had 200 people out there, you could have people running around with their pets and guns. Um, right. When you have like 20,000 people, you need some more rules for public safety. Yeah. Um, and and then the more people that are going to be there, the more douchey people that are going to be there. It's just, it's, right. just yeah. it's just the nature of life. Um, you know, there's this, you know, one of those Burning Man jokes is that, you know, it's not going to be as good as it was last year. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, yep, that's right. It's not going to be as good as it was last year. It was better. Decline. Yeah, it was yeah. better. It, but, it, but you know, everyone's saying that. So I know someone that went for the first time th three, four years ago that's like, it's not as good as it used to be. It's like, right, exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, but someone whose first time is this year will be saying the same thing in four years from now. Yeah. So right. it's just a funny, it's like a funny little Little thing. Everyone will have the same revelation in, in a few years. It's not as good as it used to be. Yeah, right. interesting. One of the things I've just been dwelling on for the last like, couple of minutes is you said like 70,000 people was the, like... I think, like, yeah. so, so I know it's yeah. somewhere around there, but just put it in perspective, Bend, when we were growing up, was like 73,000 people, which is fucking... Yeah. The entire city of Bend at Burning Man, like that's right. insane. It's a lot of people. All, all packed people. in in RVs and tents and, and yeah. No, yeah, what was my mind about that uh, that Woodstock '99 thing? It yeah, two hundred fifty thousand people. Like <laughs> that's, that's just you know ridiculous. what? I don't want to be at something where there's two hundred fifty thousand people. No. It's like know, that doesn't sound safe to me. Like I've yeah. been at festivals that are really big. Electric Forest, I think, is like thirty, forty thousand, and that Jesus, I didn't know it was that big. Yeah, it's like one of the bigger ones wow. in the U.S. Jeez. Um, yeah, and that felt like a lot. I mean. I don't even like concerts with like 50 people. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm very uncomfortable around groups of people. Yeah. Yeah, especially I'm, I don't like going to huge concerts after that uh, Vegas experience that I was talking about. Getting trampled. Uh, the, 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 the theoretical shooting that I, did I tell you about that? No. What? Oh, dude. Yeah. What? I was on acid and I got fucking trampled in a stampede because someone thought that there was like a, someone pulled a gun or something and. Oh man! Yeah, was this post that incident that happened a few years ago? Yeah, right. Which well. was what was so terrifying is because like <sighs> so yeah so we were chilling oh. we were waiting between sets just chilling on the astroturf it's like 105 degrees out like it's in Vegas it's <sighs> brutal yeah. and uh, so all of a sudden I hear what sounds like rain like coming behind me and I was like why is what is that sound so I turn around and like all I see is just some girl just literally just jumping over somebody just and then like hundreds oh, of people God. sprinting. And I immediately just get smoked from behind. I hop up and start running. Fucking, I look behind me. All my friends are gone. And I'm like, where the fuck are they? And all of a sudden, I hear people going like, get down, get down. And I'm like, 
is there a fucking like sh- someone shooting right now? So I'm like trying to like look, but also like get down. The person in front of me fucking jumped to the ground. So I stumbled over them, hit the ground, got ran over by like 10 people, fucking pulled myself off the ground with like as much strength as I could like fucking like bring. And uh, luckily, like everyone kind of like stopped at that point because everyone was like, what's happening? And like there was no shooter. There was no like nothing. But apparently like people said like a fight broke out and someone pulled a gun or like pulled what looked like a gun. And everyone started running, and uh, yeah. So after that, so it's like, sketchy. And I was on, I was like peaking on acid. Oh, and I was like, oh man, yeah. <laughs> oh, it sounds so horrible. It was fucking right. not fun, oh. dude. And uh, oh. so after that, I was just like, I don't really like going to huge concerts and shows and everything. And it sucks because it shouldn't be like that. Yeah, we shouldn't have to worry about oh. that. But. No, yeah. Fucking negative shout out, uh, Live Nation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck them. Terrible security. The whole time I was there, there was probably like five or six thousand people, and I saw maybe three or four you, security. You would guards. think after the Mandalay Bay incident, they would have better security. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but yeah, I, I guess. It, but but at the same time, it could have been false flag, kind of like someone just yelled "gone," and then it's just a stampede. I'm, so I'm fairly certain from that's what that's basically from like the the Twitter world and and every basically the social media world. That's kind of the consensus is like it was a false alarm. Some troll. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a shitty troll. Someone could have died getting <laughs> yeah. trampled. Somebody yeah, did die though, right? They ran from Astro World. Oh yeah, you know what? Yeah, someone hopped. There was a there was a like a, a wall, like a brick wall. Someone hopped it and then got smoked by a car. Did they die? I don't know if they oh, died or not. Okay. I know I know people got injured for sure. Like there was like three or four people that Jesus got like taken Christ. away in ambulances. Uh, yeah, it was like it was insane. It was a crazy situation. Well, and people do get like I mean, people die from getting trampled. A lot yeah. too. Like that shit always blows my mind when stampedes happen over like, you know, uh, in and out. That's what happened at uh, Astro World. Like nine people died. Wait, you say in and out burger? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, but I, I mean, wanna... you know, like that kind of mentality of like yeah. something comes around and like tons of people start working. Like, I want to bring the, loop this back for a second. Um, yeah. Well, hey there, and uh, <laughs> it looks like you reached the end of the free version. <laughs> if you want to listen to the rest. <laughs> Then uh, head over to the Patreon where we have the full audio recording from this interview. For only $3 a month, that's right, $3, you could have our Patreon exclusive episodes for an entire month. That's only one day's worth of coffee. Or actually a lot less than a day's worth of coffee if you drink bougie coffee from like Starbucks or something. So head on uh, over to the bo- Patreon. Wait, did you, say bougie, did you say bougie coffee from Starbucks? Starbucks uh, is the most dude, bland. Starbucks costs like $7 a coffee. And it's also the worst coffee, dude. Yo, all right. You, for $3 a, for $3 a month, you can buy one of us a shot of espresso. At a good well, no, I'm shop. saying what they have to sacrifice to listen to us on Patreon. Wait, what? They have to sacrifice a cup of coffee. <laughs> oh, right. True. Right. True. To All gift right. us a cup of coffee. But so then we you, have to split one shot of espresso between the three of us. No, because, dude, one shot of espresso is three bucks. So, you, no, okay, so, so yeah, we all so have three tell have two to split your, it. Tell two of your friends to also sign up for the Patreon, and then you could buy each of us one shot of espresso, and then each of you can go fuck yourself on one shot of espresso. Yeah, exactly. And so you are supporting at least one episode a month for our caffeine. Uh, I wouldn't even say that, dude. I gotta, I gotta have like at least a few shots of espresso, of espresso every day, dude. So if you want to hear more about our caffeine, our crippling <laughs> caffeine addictions, head over to the Patreon, <laughs> where you can support our crippling caffeine addictions. <laughs> Call and much, much more. <laughs> Call us at one eight hundred. I am addicted. 
That is uh, 1-800-I-AM-ADDICTED. What is the actual Patreon, Ryan? Uh, Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash D-O-O-C. Or if you type in Drinking Out of Cups podcast, just in the search window on patreon.com. It'll uh, right we are up. also on uh, Instagram, Patreon. Uh, nope, not, not that one. <laughs> the Instagram is uh, drinking out of cups <laughs> underscore podcast. And check us out there. We got good clips of episodes. And keep listening, keep uh, staying aware. And uh, I don't know what, what was the famous thing? Uh, Turn in, turn on, drop in, fucking drop out. I don't no, know, it's fucking... uh, keep rocking in the free world and do 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 do. Sorry, what was that? Do 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 do.